Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Okay, you can take a seat, it's all good. Emma mentioned before that today is Palm Sunday. And, uh, and some of you may know what that means or what that is, some of you may not. And uh, it basically marks uh, the beginning of the week leading into Easter. And uh, Easter's coming up, you know, this Friday where Jesus was crucified and Sunday where he rose again from the dead and we celebrate all of that next weekend. And Palm Sunday marked the day where he entered Jerusalem and a whole lot of things happened in that week. And I'm going to talk about a bit about that in a moment. Leading into that, before we get to that, before he walked into the city, something else happened. One of the last recorded, or maybe the second last recorded healing uh, that Jesus did took place. And it was a guy called Bartimaeus. Who was, and if you read the story of Bartimaeus, and he's sitting on the side of the road, and, and he cries out to Jesus. And uh, if you keep reading, straight after that, a few days later, is like where Jesus enters Jerusalem, and it's, the, it's Palm Sunday, and then he gets crucified a week later. And uh, so leading into that, I want to show you a video. And uh, it, it, it's a video from uh, uh, Bartimaeus, not Barnabas, Bartimaeus' perspective about what happened on that day. And, um, and we're just going to watch this and then uh, talk about a few other things after that. You first have to understand the noise, the, the crowd. I could hear that they were close onto the road. And, and not just because I had great hearing to make up for my blind eyes. I mean, this was a roar. People cheering and clapping and singing. As it got closer, I, I, I tried to listen as carefully as I could, see if I could make out what they were saying. I knew that they were coming my way. See, some of us sat by the main gates where most of the people would come and go. I know people by how they walk, whether they drag their feet or not. And every day I just sat there and waited for mercy. But I, all I could do was listen. Suddenly I realized that they cheered for him. Some grumbled even speaking his name. Others said he was the Messiah. But a handful of them had, had witnessed him healing people. I crawled closer to the road, afraid that I might be trampled. I, mean, I could hear that there were a lot of people coming. Is that him? Is that the teacher? Anyone? Tell me. Is it him? And someone said, yes, it was Jesus. And to this day, I, I can't explain it, but I just yelled. I yelled louder than I had ever yelled. Son of David, have mercy on me. He heard me and he he came over where I was and asked what I wanted. 
to see. And then, everything I had always hoped to lay my eyes on was there before me. I followed him that day, and the next day, and the next day. What amazed me was, it seemed like the people that could see the best were the most blinded. As for who I say he is, one day, I was yelling for him to heal me. Now, here we are in Jerusalem, yelling to all those who have ears to hear that he is Hosanna in the highest. He is the Messiah. Isn't it good to put yourself into someone else's perspective and shoes? And, uh, and when you read, and I'd never read before after in that story, and you read on that, you know, that, that he would have been there. Because <laughs> the Bible says that when he got healed, he didn't go off and find his family, didn't go off back in the city. All it says that he followed Jesus. He followed, wherever Jesus went, he was healed and he followed Jesus. And he would have been there on that day. And I'll read you what happened in Matthew 21 Verse 1 to 11. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. And it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into a village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will, se he will send them. All this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They bought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want you to put yourself in that picture for a moment. It says that he, when he walked in the city, they, they, they got the donkey, sat on the donkey. As he walked in, it says a multitude. It said actually a multitude, then actually multitudes. That's not just a few people. That's thousands and thousands of people. A multitude. If you want to look it up, it's a very large number of people, the dictionary says. A very great number of people. And they all came in. I want you to picture a dusty, dirty, smelly street that was covered in all kinds of stuff. And they, you start taking your coat off. You start kicking probably some uh, maybe their nice clothes. Maybe their clothes they wear all the time. They weren't just their rags and things. And they took them off and they laid them on the road all the way in. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of coats. 
And others that didn't have a coat ran to trees and to palm branches and to branches and trees and cut them off. And they laid them on the road. The same as when a king or a queen would enter a palace or an important building or, or when they even do it for presidents, when, when they walk off a plane or something like that, they, what do they do? They roll out a red carpet saying, this is royalty, this is someone important, this is, this is someone that needs to be acknowledged, this is someone who needs to be praised, this is someone very important. And so they didn't have a red carpet, they didn't have all the, the, all the fine things like that, but they had their coats, they had what they had, and they had branches of palm trees, and they laid them down, and Jesus comes walking in to Jerusalem comes walking, riding in on the donkey. donkey comes walking in Jesus and the disciples are walking with him. And then it says this, then the multitudes, thousands and thousands of people, I want you to picture what this was like, who went before and those who followed. So there's some in front and there's some behind and Jesus and the disciples are in the middle and they're shouting, crying out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now you might say, what does that mean? What does Hosanna mean? I'll put it in plain terms. Hosanna means hooray for salvation. It's coming. It's here. Salvation, salvation. They started yelling that out. Then they said, Hosanna to the Son of David, which means the Son of David is our salvation. Hooray for the King. Salvation belongs to the King. This is what they were shouting out. This is what people would have understood them saying. Then they said, Hosanna in the highest, which means this, let all the angels in heaven join the song of praise. Salvation, salvation, let the highest heaven sing the song. So they're shouting this out and they're actually shouting out and not just them, but they're calling upon all the angels in all of heaven to join with them and start to say, salvation is here. The king is here. The king of salvation is here. So I want you to picture this going on. Thousands of people. Imagine, imagine our esplanade with thousands of people lined up walking the esplanade, shouting out as if Jesus was walking along. Or picture a street, picture whatever it is, but there's thousands of people doing this. Then it says this, And when he came, or when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Another version said, All the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? Now, I thought about that for a moment. Three years Jesus had been in this area. Three years. He didn't go more than 120 k's or something like that from Jerusalem itself, I think. And for three years, not just a few miracles, but thousands of miracles. Thousands of people have been healed. People have been raised from the dead. He'd, he'd fed 5,000 people miraculously. He's fed 4,000 people miraculously. He'd, all this stuff had happened, and yet there's people in the crowd in Jerusalem, and they said, who's that? Who's that guy? They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know who he was. 
You know, there's people, just think about our city for a moment. There's people out there tonight who have no idea who Jesus is. They don't know. They might have, they've maybe heard of him or whatever. Some people would know him as a swear word. Others, you say, well, who's Jesus? They just, well, I don't know who Jesus is. Uh, there's a book about him. I think he's in, he's in the Bible. I've heard of the Bible. Don't really, I don't know any facts about Jesus. I don't know anything about him. And so there's people out there, maybe people you know, that know nothing about Jesus. So from that time right then when Jesus was walking the earth, there were still people that didn't know who he was. Same as today, there's people that don't know who Jesus is. They ask the question, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus. And the title of my message tonight is simply, This is Jesus. This is Jesus. They said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. People today in our city would ask maybe the same question. Their question might be, You know, who is this? Who is Jesus? What is Easter about? Might be their question. Why do you celebrate Easter? Why do you celebrate Christmas? Why, why do you even do it? There's people that honestly I've talked to have, don't even know what Easter's about. They don't know why we celebrate. They think, oh, it's a holiday. We get a weekend off. Yay. Um, we get a day off work. That's good. Why, but they might know about, oh, kids might know about, oh, we get some eggs. Don't know why, but we get some. There's, I think the rabbit brings them and he's got a little basket. And he sort of hops up to my door. Where does the, I had someone ask me the other day, where does the rabbit come from? I'm like, really? <laughs> like, do you want to know about the rabbit? Um, and so, like, where does he live? You know, oh, he's a hole in the ground over there. So he lives under the Orangan Pier or something like that. And so, and so they're asking, you know, they, they see all this stuff going on. And, they, and, you know, and, and our, you know, media marketing sort of point to everything but the real fact while we celebrate Easter, they point to everything else they can point to except the real reason why we celebrate Easter, which is Jesus. And so people may ask a question like this. is also, it might be, why do you celebrate Easter? Why do you celebrate Christmas? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Some people want to know. Like, why would you go to church every Sunday? The answer is because of Jesus. It's not because of a certain person. It's not because, you know, obviously we have friends here, we have family, it's great. All those reasons are great. We love hanging out together. But the real reason we meet together is simply because of one person and his name is Jesus. If Jesus is out of the picture, there is no church. There's no gathering. He's the head of the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head. We are the body. Without Jesus, there's nothing. Without Jesus, there's no Easter. Without Jesus, there is no Christmas. Without Jesus, there's a whole lot, of, whole lot of stuff that wouldn't be happening. And so they ask the question, who is this? It is Jesus. And the same question is being asked today by people, we can say in the world, but simply by people in our city, people in your street, maybe even your next door neighbor. You might not even know it, but they might have that question on their mind. Why do we celebrate Easter? What is Easter all about? Where did it start? Why do we celebrate? Why do people go to church every Sunday? Who is Jesus? What is all this about? And so they ask this question. 
And they were shouting. They were shouting his praise. Before they even asked that question, the whole city was stirred because they were shouting his praise. You know, when the church of Jesus Christ begins to shout unashamedly the name of Jesus, begins to shout his praise, not just in a church building, but when, they, when you begin to shout his praise by the way you live in your workplace, not ashamed to speak about the name of Jesus and live out the name of Jesus, not worried about what people may say to you, not, may, not worried about what reaction you may get. When you begin to shout and lift up his name, the whole city begins to get stirred. The whole city begins to get moved. And this is what happened here. Multitudes, thousands of people begin to say who Jesus really was, begin to declare who he was. He's who he, he was salvation. He was the king of salvation. They begin to shout and say who Jesus was. And the whole city suddenly is stirred with what is going on. Bartimaeus made a powerful statement in that video. He said this, the people that could see the best were the most blinded. The people that could see the best were the most blinded. He just, it was like a statement he just threw in there. You know, there's, there's people that can see physically, but they're totally blinded to the truth about who Jesus is. They're totally blinded to the gospel. They're totally blinded to, you know, they, they're chasing after everything else in the world and they're blind to see how much God loves them and how much God, what God has done for them. The, the, it's in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. But the good news is this, that the Holy Spirit can come and open their eyes. That when we pray and when we actually lift up the name of Jesus, those who may be blind, their minds are blind, not understanding, not seeing what the gospel is, not understanding who Jesus is and what he's done. When we begin to pray, when the church begins to lift up the name of Jesus, suddenly the Holy Spirit can open eyes that were spiritually blind and suddenly they see him. When you open your mouth maybe to a person that, has questions about maybe who Jesus is, but they just, they're just like blind to it. They're doing so much stuff, but then suddenly you begin to speak about him. Suddenly you begin to declare about what he's done in your life and who he really is, who Jesus really is. Suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to work through what you're saying and what you're doing, and suddenly their eyes are open, and suddenly they have a question saying, well, who is Jesus? What is, what is Easter all about? What does all this mean for me? When you really know who Jesus is, you begin to find out who you are. When you see who Jesus is, you begin to see who you really are because your identity is found in Him. Some of the same people that cried out Hosanna by the end of that week were crying out, crucify him. Some of those same crowd, guarantee it, that would have that would have been that would have been there saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. By the by four, four or five days later on the Friday, there 
were saying, crucify him, crucify him. Cru- maybe they don't even know why they were doing it, but they were saying, crucify him. They were stirred up. Again, the crowd was stirred up. If you read, they were stirred up. The leaders had stirred them up to just say, yeah, let's get rid of him. Let's crucify him. Maybe they didn't really see or understand who Jesus was. Because so, sometimes it's so easy when you, if you don't really know him, suddenly you can be going, yeah, well, I'm just, I'm following the crowd. Yeah, but it's cool to go to church. I'll follow the crowd to church. We'll just go to church every week. I'm still working out why I'm here, but I'm just going along to church and whatever. And, but there's no personal relationship with Jesus. And suddenly the crowd can go, oh, no, we're going here now. We're doing this instead. So suddenly, oh, okay, right, yeah, we follow this way. And suddenly go, I don't know why I'm here either, but I'm just following the crowd. And maybe there's some people like that that kind of just followed the crowd, that, that didn't really know who Jesus was. But there was others in that crowd They were crying out, Hosanna in the highest. There was others in that crowd that after he rose from the dead on that Sunday, they were some of the 500 that saw him face to face. There's others in that crowd that would have been there in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the power of the Holy Spirit came. There's others in that crowd that may have been in the 3,000 that that listened to Peter's message on that day of Pentecost about 40 days later and, and 50 days later, and, they, and they, they, were, they were there and they said, yes, I know who Jesus is now. And they repented and said, Jesus, we follow you. Which crowd are you in? Who do you say Jesus is? What conviction do you have about who Jesus is in your life? If someone was to simply ask you, Sam, tell me who Jesus is. Tell me who is he? What would you say? How would you explain it? How would you explain who he really is? Would you explain it from what the Bible says? Would you explain it from what he's done in your life? Would you explain it by telling a story? about he's become so real to you and why that is. How would you show them? How would you tell them? What does Jesus really mean to you? Who do you say Jesus is? If you ask Bartimaeus that question, he'd say, Jesus was the one that stopped. Everyone else kept walking by, but I cried out. Others, I, when I asked for things, they never stopped, but this day I cried out and I cried out. And he was the one that stopped and showed mercy to me. That's why he called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And by stopping, Jesus had mercy on him. And then he would say, Jesus is the one who healed me. He's my healer. No one else could do it. No one others could maybe give me some money from time to time or some food or something like that. But Jesus put his hands on my eyes and so I was blind, but now I see. And then he would say this. He'd say, and Jesus is the one that I follow. He's my leader. He's my inspiration. He's my example. 
He, he's the one who stopped. He's the one who had mercy on me. He's my healer, and he's the one I follow. He is my example. That's Jesus. When I, when I want to see a leader, when I want to see an example of how to live life, when I want someone to live, how to live the right way, what to do, I look to him. That's what Bartimaeus would say. What would you say? What would you tell someone? What would you tell someone this week that asks why you celebrate Easter? Why do you go to church at Easter? Who is Jesus? Why do you go to church on a Sunday? What would you tell them? What would you say? Not long before that, Jesus asked the same question to his disciples. Before all this happened, leading up to this, he asked this question. And in Matthew 16, 13 to 20, New Living Translation says this, And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, saying, Who do people say I am? Have you ever asked anyone the question to your friends or something, who do people say I'm, what do people say I'm like? Ever been game enough to ask that question? Might end in tears. You might be too scared to ask that question. What do people say about me? You might think, oh, no, don't tell me. No, I just don't want to know. And he asked that question. He wasn't afraid to ask that question. Who do people say that a son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. That tells me that a lot of people didn't, still then, didn't understand exactly who Jesus was. They were still working it out. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And, he, and, that's the, and Jesus asked us all that, that question tonight. He's saying, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Now listen to what happened. He gets a revelation. Peter gets a revelation of who Jesus is. And then Jesus straight away turns around and begins to speak into Peter's life and says, Peter, this is who you are. This is who you are. You Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned his disciples, do not tell anyone that he is the Messiah. Those were some very powerful words. He begins to speak into Peter's life. He says, you're a rock. You are Peter. You are a rock. In other words, you're steadfast. You are strong. Then he says, I'm going to build my church upon you. In other words, he says, you are going to become a great leader. That's what he was saying. You are going to be a leader. You are going to lead people. And you can imagine Peter standing there going, whoa, I just, yeah, I just, I just said that you're Messiah. And it's like he's sort of... And the other disciples have been standing there going, holy smokes, you've got a lot of work to do. I don't think you're, are you, oh, I don't think Peter could do that. I wonder how many of them thought that. Oh, Peter? Oh, he's got a temper. He's, he makes mistakes. Does things the wrong way. 
Peter, I think, I think John would be better. Imagine the conversation. Oh, no. I, hey, Luke, I think Jesus actually got it wrong. I think John would be heaps better. I think Peter, he'd be a good team player, but not the leader. Uh-uh. No, I think he's better at fishing. He should go back and fish for a while, learn a few more things. I wonder if that conversation went on. And Jesus says, no, you are Peter. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> when you understand what that means. And he says, whatever you forbid on earth. And he said, in other words, he said, whatever agrees with my word, Jesus said, whatever agrees with what I said, you can say it and it'll be done. In other words, he's saying, you know, if someone's sick, you can say, be healed in the name of Jesus and I'll be healed. If someone's blind, you can do the same things I've done, Peter. I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's part of the church. He said the same thing to us. And then he said, don't, but don't tell anyone yet because Jesus was saying, hey, if everyone knows it's gonna, everything's going to happen too quickly about, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to go to the cross and he said, don't tell everyone yet, just keep it quiet, guys, keep it quiet. So Peter had this revelation of who Jesus is and then Jesus revealed to Peter who he was and what he was going to do. When you see, G, when you see who Jesus is, sometimes it shows up some faults in your life. Suddenly when you get a revelation that God is a good, good father and Jesus is righteous, he is perfect and he is good, suddenly you go, well, compared to him, I've made a lot of mistakes. Compared to him, I'm not sure if Jesus really wants to use me. Compared to him, I don't, I don't Jesus, is sure you got the wrong person. You're so good, and, and, you know, and, I, and I see who I am, and I'm thinking, I'm not, not really worthy. You know, the good news is, he knows all that already. It doesn't matter. He accepts you just the way you are. He accepts all your faults, all your imperfections, everything that's not exactly right. He says, come to me just as the way you are. Just the way you are, come to me. And he says, I will mold you, and I will make you, and I will form you, and, I'll, and you submit to me, and you follow me, and obey me. He said, all that rough stuff, all that junk, it'll begin to fall away. It'll be, I'll become, make you into a brand new person because you'll be in me, and I'll be in you. So Jesus, when we see him, who he really is, when we understand and see that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is good, that he is kind, that he is faithful, that he loves you unconditionally, the price that he paid on that cross for you, that he rose, that he rose again and conquered death for you so you could have eternal life. He conquered sin so you could be free from your sin, so you could be forgiven. When you see all of that, and you understand all of that, you start to see how valuable you are. You start to see how much He loves you. You start to see that you are worth something, that you're not worthless, but you are worth, uh, you are priceless in His eyes because He paid His whole life just for you. You see who you are. You see, and when the, all the world needs to know is to see who Jesus really is, and they'll actually see how much they're loved. And they will not want to, they will not sit back. They will run to him when they really see who Jesus is. And as the church, 
you know, one of the main things we just got to do is reveal who Jesus is. Reveal who he is. Do it through your life. Show people through your life who Jesus is. Are you living out that same love that he's shown to you? Are you living out unconditional love to others around you? Even if they don't deserve it. Even if they treat you badly. Even if they say the wrong thing. Because you didn't deserve it when Jesus loved you. But he loved you anyway. And he said, do the same thing. So when you see who Jesus is, you see who you are. You see how much you're loved. And if you go and read on about, you know, you know straight after what, when um, Peter said that about you know, Jesus and got that revelation. If you read the very next paragraph, Jesus begins to tell him that he's about to go to the cross and all that kind of stuff. And Peter, Peter goes, he goes, no, you can't do that. And he begins to rebuke Jesus, the very next conversation. And then Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So in one moment, suddenly Peter's leading the church. Then Peter's like, get behind me, Satan. He's gone from like, you're really good, Peter, now. No, you're, you may as well hang out with the devil for a while, you know, saying that kind of stuff. And so Peter didn't have it all together. He denied Jesus three times before he went to the cross. He made plenty of mistakes, but he still became the leader of the church. Because Jesus still had a plan. When you know who Jesus is, you can give people an answer to their question. When you know who Jesus is and you know exactly who he is and what he's done in your life, you can give an answer to the question that people have. Who is Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you celebrate Easter? Why do you, what's Christmas all about? Why do we do all these things? When they have questions, you can answer and begin to answer, and not out of like knowledge or what you've read in the Word, but out of what you know because of what he's done in your life, out of who you are, out of, well, he loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved. I'd made so many mistakes and I was so far away from God. I never always went to church in my life. I, I, I was far from him. And then one day, someone told me about Jesus. And I heard about that and I understood it. I got it and I asked him into my life and everything began to change. And you can tell people about who Jesus is really is. You can say to them, well, this is Jesus. Just like when they were yelling out and praising and people said, who is this? The same way you can turn around and go, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Why are you praising? Why do you come to church every, every Sunday and begin to praise and lift up your voice and begin to clap and cheer? And, and you might be cheering. And I've been, sometimes you're in church and, and someone is clapping and singing and they're just dancing away. And the person next to them going, whoa, what are you doing? Like, that's a bit exciting, isn't it? What are you going to be excited? You need to chill out, you know? You've had way too much coffee this morning. You're just like, just, just chill out. You don't need to get that excited. But they're, but they're excited because they know who Jesus is. They know what he's done in their life. And so people, you can come to church on a Sunday. You can come there and just like they celebrated in the streets, just the same way they lifted up the name of Jesus and cried, Hosanna, you can come to church every Sunday knowing who Jesus is and unashamedly begin to shout his name, unashamedly begin to say, this is Jesus. I'm going to praise him. I don't care what the person next to me thinks. I don't care what other people think. I don't care how loud or quiet or whatever I am. I'm going to praise him because I know who he is. I know what he's done in me.
Salvation is here, they sang. Salvation is here, they declared. Do you know, Jesus is still salvation. It wasn't just for that time. They were declaring something for the ages. Salvation is here. This, this, every week, we give an opportunity to say, hey, Jesus is salvation. You can come to know him. You can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. You can turn away from your sin and know him. On Easter, we're going to talk, we'll talk about salvation, that Jesus is salvation. He died on a cross so that we could be saved, so that we could know him, so we could be forgiven. And every week, we always declare that he's the king of kings. I'm going to show you a video to finish off tonight in a moment. There was a guy his name was um, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, and uh, he's, he's died now. He's a part, he was a pastor from San Diego, California, and, and he spoke in 1976. You can actually get on YouTube and listen to it. It goes for an hour, the sermon. It's one of the best sermons. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but it's one of the best sermons you'll ever hear in your life. And he begins to share, and I just want to read you one part of it, then I'm going to show you this video. And he says this, he taught, he's taught, the sermon is called, That's My King. That's my king. And he said this in part of it. He said, my king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's an ethnic king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's my king. In other words, Jesus is an everlasting king. There's, he's always going to be king. He's never going to be off the throne because he's a king of all kings. He's the king of the ages. He's an everlasting king. He's an eternal king. King, Other kings will come and go. Kings and queens will come and go. But Jesus will always be king. King of kings. And I want to show you this. The worship team can come up as we play this. And I want to show this. Some of you have seen this before. Some of you won't have seen this. But it declares who Jesus is and talks about, I want you to listen to some of these words about who Jesus is and what he's done. He is the King of Kings. Says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the 
loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his firm is light. I wish I could describe him, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's one that's one part of an hour sermon. And I encourage you to look that up. Stuart M. Lockridge. And uh, it's an incredible message. As we get ready for Easter, the whole purpose of me preaching this tonight is to simply lift up the name of Jesus. I say, this is Jesus. This is who we're going to celebrate. And we celebrate him every weekend, but next weekend has an emphasis. So this is, the, this is the time we celebrate when he died and he rose again. When we declare, like they put that sign above his head, he's the king of the Jews. He's the, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I encourage you this week to begin to declare in your own time. Begin to declare to people around you that this weekend, that this week, this, is, this Easter, we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to declare that Jesus is the King of Kings. I'm going to declare how good He is. I'm going to declare how much He loves us, how much He loves you, how much He loves those around me. I'm not going to keep quiet. I'm not going to stay silent. But this Easter, this Easter, I'm going to declare who Jesus is. 
And I'm not going to be afraid to make some noise about who Jesus is. And I'm not going to stay silent and sit back and just, well, just see what happens. No, I'm going to invite people. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to think of some people that I can bring to church and invite them to church so they can hear who Jesus is. So they can get a revelation like Peter did of who Jesus is. And their eyes that may be blind can suddenly be opened by the Holy Spirit to see that He is who He said He is. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.